I got returning guests from a former music show, but this time to not put them under the pressure of criticism. <laughs> we have uh, Joshua and Cody Terry, um, a young, amazing married couple returning back to the show. Let's get their first greetings on the, how they've been over the summertime, and then we'll get started. Who wants to go first? Yeah, thanks for having us again, Josiah. It's fun to be back and um, just have a cool conversation today. Um, summer has been cool. We're still, I think, adjusting to the Florida heat because we're from Indiana, for those who don't know. Um, I think this is Cody's first full summer in Florida. So um, we got some humid hair in there, but uh, we're working it out. <laughs> Me too. I got humid hair too, but it's been cool, you know. Um, yeah, we're ready for fall and moving on to new jobs. Hopefully, we both have um, had some good interviews lately, so it'll be good. Yeah. Yes. Um, kind of ditto. And <laughs> I was talking to Josiah about this earlier. Yeah, just about our summer. It has been good overall, just like the spiritual journey journey that we've been on, and um, we've grown a lot closer to God. I feel like during this time. But yeah, with like just the move and adjustment, the finding the right church, the making friends and things like that, it's just been, yeah, <laughs> a lot of yeah emotional roller coaster. But it's it's getting better. Yes. <laughs> So that's lovely to hear. So I've already explained to you guys my cheat sheet over here. So we got chart number one and two. Well, why am I calling them charts? They're more like card stacks. Anyway, so one represents, to, to rhyme with it, any fun question that you want to do. And two is if you want to get uh, some more serious topics in there. Who wants to pick first honors? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to go with the one. All right. Read the card. Okay, going with the fun questions. How important is it for you to be popular? Hmm, this is the teens edition. <laughs> so, um, you guys answer first. Is that how this goes? You can answer first if you want. Oh, <laughs> okay. See, this is supposed to be fun, but I feel like I'm getting serious. Like, I feel like for me, I really like to be liked and, and um, enjoy or... And to also like everyone else. So I want it to be a fun, peaceful, like, you know, environment wherever I'm hanging out with people and socializing. And I like having friends. I like to socialize and things like that. And I like to know everybody. So it's, I don't know about the popular in terms of the status, but more so just to be able to have friends with people. I can feel comfortable in any environment when I'm, when I know everyone and I have friends with them. So I guess that's important, but I'm also working on not needing that at the same time. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it's a similar situation. I like being popular at work when I can because I like having friends at work and like kind of knowing everybody. I think it makes it just more fun to be there. Um, outside of work, I don't think... I actually don't think I ever wanted to be famous just because they seem like they have to deal with a lot. Mm. Um, I mean, I'd love to have money be wealthy. Don't get me wrong. But the fame aspect, it seems like it can be a lot to bear. Um, and I'm not, I don't think I'm cut out for that, but at work, yeah, I'd love to be popular. I think it ties in like to that scripture about remaining blameless before men. Like you want that idea of, you don't want to put anything out there that people can accuse you of because of something you did. If it's something that they made up or fabricated, of course, that's just 
the devil's territory that's going to come with time you can't get everyone to love you but at the same token you want to do your best um in front of god with your actions to try to remain blameless before people me personally um i'm not sure if i've said this before maybe i did on the last show so back in college i was a specialist in uh, temperamental studies so um i had to find out the hard way that have you ever heard of what a supine compulsive is okay so basically that is my temper i'm a supine compulsive which means i am completely introverted on the outside but have all the needs of an extrovert so I want to be the most popular person in the room, but will never tell it. <laughs> so, so basically, I have the needs of an influencer who has a million followers on Instagram, but I will never tell that to anybody. <laughs> and then if I show up to the party, I'd rather like keep on the low behind the scenes. Like if I'm an underdog that someone calls out, I'll be ready, but I won't like put myself or promote myself out there. Um, so when it comes to being popular, though. I did have a deeper desire for it in my younger years, especially like with being ignored or overlooked in a lot of places. But at the same token, now that I'm on the brink of 30, I kind of feel like popularity is just slightly overrated. Um, I kind of feel like as long as you're doing what Jesus called you to do and you're in front of the right people that he's put you forth, um, that should be more than sufficient. But also, I think the only one that I'm still dealing with is doing something I love that also has, you know, some monetary to reward to it. As long as I can keep food, shelter, and clothes on my family's back, even if it's only from 10 followers or 10,000 or a hundred followers, it doesn't matter to me. As long as I'm able to build a substantial lifestyle from that. So that's, that's how I would address that question. Anyway, that was a long winded answer, but uh, Josh, you go ahead next. All right, let's get serious. Oh, my. Yeah, right off the bat. Let's get serious. Okay. <laughs> okay, complete the statement. When I am criticized, I... Dot, dot, dot. So, when I am criticized, I... I... Yeah, right? Um, this is hard. This is something I've had to work on, but I would say most of my life, I would fill in the blank saying, when I am criticized, I internalize. Um, yeah. So I think a lot of times I would take it personally. Um, but having like worked a lot of different jobs with a lot of different people, criticism comes. Um, and I think trying to like do your best or do my best to like be objective and, you know, do the job better. This is completely work related. I think, okay, I'll say this. It's way easier for me to be criticized for my work than it is for like something in my own personality or like, you know, whatever it is, because I can look at it more objectively, like, okay, they just want the job to be done better. So it's not me. It's just do, do the job better. Right. But if it's like, I don't know, something that I worked really hard to do, like a, like poetry or like something I created, that's a little bit harder for me to get over and not take it personally. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's interesting that you ended on that note because I know um, I would join like in high school and stuff like that, join like a writing club and like release my songs and like I would post my stories online, like fiction press and stuff like that. And whenever there was a critique and it just to help me improve, it wasn't even like, this is terrible, you need to do this. But it was like, this is great and it can be better this way. 
I, they were like, all you got to do is tweak these little things or like maybe change the words here and stuff like that. I just stopped. I was like, oh, cool. Thanks. And just never worked on it again and moved to the next. Like I was like, uh, first of all, I worked too hard to be trying to adjust anything, even though I didn't even work hard. But also I didn't, I don't know. I felt like it wasn't good enough. So I moved on to a new story or like I got bored because of that criticism or whatever it is. Even now with working on songs, when I'm asked to like, just change this here, adjust this here. I'm like, one, I don't want to, that's a lot of work. So I guess some of it, I see it as like, dang, now I got to work harder, which is what you're supposed to do. Right. But I think I grew up not needing to work as hard as I should have, as I was capable to, I was only ever working what I needed to. So to push that much harder, I was like, oh my gosh, I was annoyed. (laughs) Um, and still am. But, um, I think on the other end, and I'm, again, I'm still working on this. I think I kind of internalize as well. Like, um, I, I have learned um, that a lot of times it's about how they critique. So like when they're critiquing, obviously out of love, but like in a certain way, in a gentle tone, also bringing in the compliments and then also saying, here's where you can adjust and here's how, let me help you do it. Then I feel a lot better because there's a path and they, they see there's still potential and goodness in me and not just like, I screwed up. But when there's just critique or when there's when it's in a harsh way or whatever, I feel like, I've already critiqued myself. So now I got a double critique. I didn't need to hear it from you. That's how I get a lot of times. And then also like, um, I just, yeah, I just feel more terrible and like I messed up and I'm still trying to get away from the perfectionist type of mindset because that's how I was my whole life. Um, So the whole, whenever I mess up and make a mistake, I'm already trying to avoid shaming myself and pushing it aside and learning from it instead. But to hear someone else say it too, I'm kind of just like, ah, but... Yeah, so it's a work in progress, in other words, yeah. That's very interesting. For the first time ever, I found a common instinct of all three of us. <laughs> this has never happened in, in the time we've known each other so far. Um, yeah, definitely I'm an internalizer. Um, when it comes to criticism, it depends for me where or in who it's coming from. Um, I tend to, how should I say? I tend to make the mistake of identifying myself too much with my talents to the point of I take it personally when my talents are criticized. Um, I've learned to grow out of that being my own worst critic because it's like, at the same token, I'm like, when I listen to myself, since I hate the sound of my own voice, <laughs> I what I do is I try to close my eyes and just pretend if this was another person I was listening to, would I still listen to this? whether it be from a music standpoint, from a speaking standpoint, whatever have you. Um, So when I do that and try to think of it from a third person perspective, it kind of draws back the perfectionist a little bit in me. Um, And then it makes me a little more open to other people's criticisms on on me as well. Um, However, if like, uh, I guess similar to what Cody was saying, if I'm only hearing criticism from this person and we've been friends like five, 10 years, now it's starting to get under my skin. <laughs> like, like I feel like there's literally nothing I can do to impress this person. Now I'm like, is is the is the friendship or the relationship even still worth pursuing at that point? Because I feel like I could have at least scored a couple wins along the way. <laughs> even if you don't think anything I do is worth praising, I, I'm sure I, I would have at least done one thing to get your attention by now. But um, anyway... <laughs> Not to fall into the trap of attention seeking, but that's probably 
everything ditto for both of you is how I respond to criticism. But at the same token, I would appreciate a ton of criticism than no feedback. Like um, one of the best statements I heard uh, back in the day, which you probably, y'all probably heard this as well. There's no such thing as bad press because as long as somebody's talking, you're doing something right. <laughs> so for me, I would rather much have, and this might sound wrong to some people, but I'd much rather have a bunch of bad press than no feedback whatsoever. Because at least even with the bad press, I can sit back and say, you know what? Let me pray about this. Let me see why people feel this way and see what's the best path forward. As opposed to if no one's critiquing me, then I'm my own critic. And then that can come with pride and narcissism. And then you don't even know if you're saying to yourself the right or the wrong things. So... Anyway, long-winded again. Let me do eeny, meeny, miny. No, since we did serious, I'm going to go back to fun. Share a special event you recall from your childhood. Who wants to start? I'll I'll go first to give you all the time. Um, A special event I recall from my childhood would probably be my i think no what yeah was my 12th birthday yeah my 12th birthday party in long island new york um it was the gift that changed my life (laughs) my parents bought me a sony s2 walkman it was like that uh, portable cd player that like fits around your wrist and you could like run with it um from that day on from the ages of 12 to 16 you didn't see me anywhere without earphones on so from that point onwards when my passion for music really doubled down and then I started like songwriting my own and performing my own as well um so I will never forget that day to this day best gift I ever received changed the trajectory of my life simple and nice anyway who's next yeah you go because I'm still trying to think okay for for time's sake because I can't think of one event but I know it's something from my childhood that still I think about all the time and because I don't know of many like schools that do this but my elementary school had a jump rope club um, for kids and like I I loved it that's when I like started to really love jump rope and probably actually when I started to learn to like other forms of exercise besides like basketball um, I guess that might be a kind of a cheesy answer i don't know but i love i love jump rope club i did it in fourth and fifth grade and i um i want to bring it here i'm moving into the school system i don't just i don't think you know that but i'm going to be a pe teacher assistant and i'm hoping to start a jump rope club at an elementary school here soon so yeah go jump rope yeah i don't even know um I don't even know if this is a thing, but you actually have the look of like a jump rope teacher. <laughs> like it's not that hard to picture. <laughs> Thanks. Honestly, I was trying to think of special events in my childhood and um, I don't like it'd be events that happened multiple times. It wasn't like a one time event. So like, you know, things of like when my family would go to Six Flags every year because um, our school gave us free tickets up until sixth grade if our attendance was good or something like that. Um, so we'd go there and uh, we loved to go in there. We'd even stay the night at a hotel. You know, kids love hotels because there's a pool. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, in, in the Midwest, it's nice. <laughs> no one has a pool there. But um, 
Or like, I know there was a few times when um, we'd have birthday parties and there was a trend of having your birthday party in a hotel. So I um, I think like I had two friends that did it and then I did it at a house. Like, I don't know. I, I can't think of like a specific event for some reason. Maybe it'll come later and I'll randomly bring it up. But um, yeah. <laughs> Funny you bring up uh, Six Flags because I was probably the most boring person to go to Six Flags with as a youngster because oh, no. I wouldn't ride any rides, period. So I would be the one stuck hanging out with the soccer mom just eating <laughs> cotton candy or drinking soda for eight hours while all my friends were riding like Bizarro seven times. <laughs> um, the only highlight I really have of Six Flags was back in 2009. That was the one and only Toby Mac concert I ever went to. Oh. It was uh, floor two, so it was not too far from the stage. I enjoyed it. Um, anywho... Who's next to pick from the grab bag? Go in order? Yeah. yeah, let's go in order. Okay, I can be next. I can be next. Um, let's just do fun again. Let's, <laughs> let's get out of the whole one, two, one, two. Okay, how do the clothes you wear affect your moods and attitudes? What are these fun questions? <laughs> like, I feel like this is too serious. We're getting into the <laughs> inside. Okay, does anyone want to take it first? Okay. I Cody and I were just talking about this kind of the other day. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is kind of double-sided. I'll say I do believe that you can feel more confident based on the clothes that you wear. Like I know when I'm wearing a suit going into an interview or something, I feel more professional and I feel more confident in my answers versus if I'm wearing like, if I was going like casual attire or something. Um, and if I'm wearing like sweat, a sweatshirt, like a hoodie and sweatpants, my attitude is kind of be probably lazy or more comfortable. Like it's just, I'm in comfortable clothes. I'm trying to be comfortable. Um, Cody and I were talking about how clothes, like this question can kind of get um, out of hand when you think about putting your identity into what you wear. Like it should come from Jesus. Like that's where you should place your confidence and everything yeah. like that. Um, but at the same time, it can affect like, you know, how you feel. I don't think it's a bad thing, but it, it comes back to a balance and like where you actually draw your, your mood or your attitude from, you know. All right. Anybody? Okay. <laughs> I would say the scripture I'm reminded of on this question is um, how when God returns for his bride, it's like prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So I think that kind of reveals the fact that God does believe in dress code because then why would the bride have to be prepared <laughs> to meet her groom? Um, that's one. Two, uh, what, and I, I know there's a whole lot of ideologies that I don't agree with this man on, but one of my favorite quotes from Steve Harvey is that dress, dress how you want to be addressed. So like you shouldn't take any um, surprise to anyone addressing you the way you already dressed to begin with. Like, um, I don't want to get like too profane or anything like that, but like, if you're complaining that, oh, this person is looking to me this way or that way, well, isn't that the attention you wanted <laughs> to begin with? Yeah. So like, why are you acting so shocked? Like, if you wear that, that's the attention that's going to attract. So therefore, one plus one equals two. <laughs> um, but for me, I think... Trying to find that fine line of being comfortable, but also not appearing to be slothful or lazy, because I know God hates laziness and slothfulness. You want to feel like you're dressed for the occasion, 
But also, then you also have characters in the Bible like John the Baptist, who ate locusts and uh, just wore raggedy clothes. But he prepared the way for our Lord and Savior to come. (laughs) So it's like, is it really important? But to a degree, it is. Um, I think this is always going to be a thing between you and the Holy Spirit, right? So it's not something I want to judge culture too hard on. doesn't mean I'm never going to comment on it. But it does mean that because, like, for example, one thing I went back and found out the hard way about the Dark Ages, this was really strange. I went back and went to uh, the church culture in the Dark Ages, actually saw it appropriate. As long as a woman did not wear a dress below cleavage length, she was pure. So even if it was shoulder length, like this low, it was still considered pure clothing. (laughs) <laughs> so like how times have changed because if anyone wore that to church today they'll be like oh you you know yeah. w-o-h-o-r-e but um so i think ultimately it comes down to um the leading of the holy spirit knowing how you should be addressed and knowing your purpose i think at the end of the day if you don't know how to dress yourself in front of people it usually is rooted in not really knowing what your purpose in life is that may sound too deep for some, but kind of exploring the topic as I go. Anyway, Scotty. Yeah. yeah, let me get this question real quick to make sure I answer it. Um, affect your moods and your attitudes. I think because this is something that's been like a back and forth for me. I feel like um, both clothes and makeup and hair and things like that were, I know growing up, you know, super insecure in terms of wanting to look attractive and wanting the attention and wanting the, um, wanting to make sure I looked good. Basically. Um, it might've been too much in terms of like, I would take too long. Well, I still kind of do, but would take too long in the morning and like, um, be, I remember going to school super freaked out cause I forgot to put on mascara and I was like, Oh my God, it's going to look terrible and all these things. Um, and so I, I did, I was like that hardcore really, uh, we were really into fashion and wanted to go shopping all the time and like things like that. Like that was a reward. Um, even on our, we would have clash days at, in high school. Like it was like a special day where you wear clothes at clash and I worked hard to make sure my clothes class but looked really cool so like so I'd get compliments like wow you class but you still outfit still looks cool whatever um so I think as I got to college and grew closer to God closer to God um I realized a lot of that was insecurity so I kind of went the other extreme and was like clothes don't matter I'm just gonna throw away everything donate everything I'll just wear sweats and blah 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 doesn't matter what I look like at the gym wear these big shorts or whatever um <laughs> Um, but I did notice a difference in confidence level level over time, like um, looking at other people like, oh, my gosh, I'm wearing this and they're wearing that. And like so the insecurity was still there. So um, and recently this past year, I gained some weight. So like even seeing myself in smaller clothes that didn't fit me right was a confidence or not a confidence booster, but lowered or raised my insecurity some more. So I am seeing how the clothes that you like the clothes that you wear do, does affect my mood and my um attitude in terms of confidence level in that way um but also trying to learn and not me not needing other people's approval and not needing to have all of these clothes um, and still be finding contentment in the amount of clothes that I have um while still you know trying to dress appropriately I'm still working on it you know (laughs) some days I want to be lazy and comfortable but I'm I'm still fighting that battle but I have seen the difference in my confidence for sure Mm -hmm. 
yeah. Are we next question, right? I answered yeah. this one. Okay, so let's go. <laughs> I was like, wait. Oh, um, we're we're going to go one. Uh, we're going to go another fun. How about... Um, <laughs> what is these fun questions? Okay, from whom might you take advice? Hmm. This is, seems kind of simple, maybe. Um, someone who knows more than me <laughs> in uh, what I'm trying to gain advice in, what area of expertise. Okay, this kind of brings me back. Or I'm going to backtrack a little bit to the critique thing. I, this came to mind. One of my pet peeves is when, if I'm getting criticism from somebody who I know doesn't know what they're critiquing me on, like if, I, if I've done it longer or like know that I know more than them in that area and they're criticizing it, that makes it harder to accept because it's like, wh what are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about. Now, I'm going to sound like a hypocrite because I sit on the couch and I judge people who are singing on American Idol and America's, America's Got Talent all the time. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm talking about. So I understand. But um, yeah, just anyone who knows has a proven track record of what they're doing, I would take advice from them if I want to gain more knowledge in that field. <laughs> the comment that came to my mind is um, the the quote from one of the lyrics of uh, Kanye West from his Yay EP of when he said, I don't take advice from people less successful than me. <laughs> um, sounds a little arrogant to some, but truthful to others. Um, me... I kind of feel you, Josh, on that um, whole expertise thing. I'm a little bit of a diva in the sense when it comes to taking advice. Um, I kind of feel like I have to respect you and have history with you, um, not only in your knowledge of the subject, but even in our personal relationship um, in order to feel like I'm taking advice from you. I kind of feel like you need to win my mind and heart over first before I can trust you with that wall to break down for advice. Here's the most diva thing about me, though, and it's very petty. Uh, do not give me advice I didn't ask for. <laughs> That's extremely petty. Jesus helped me to be more humble in that area. But... Um, that is like the the one way to most easily break the peace with me is to give me advice I didn't ask for. And this applies uh, to me, to my family, to my marriage, to my friendships. Uh, spend some time with us first. Then if I feel like there's an area where I feel like you have a lot more wisdom on me on, I'll be humble enough to ask you. Um, that takes a lot of trust on both ends, though, because some people are so passionate about the advice they give. And I don't want to block them from their God-given talent to give me advice. So there's times where I have to like, you know, kind of slow back my momentum and say, God, maybe I should humble myself and receive this person's advice, even if I didn't ask for it. Because maybe there's something they know that I'm not seeing right now, but I may need five, 10 years down the road. Um, again, back to the Holy Spirit <laughs> comes to, uh, because sometimes we miss his voice with certain people and it's like, oh man, I wish I would have listened to this person five years ago. They could have saved me a lot of trouble. But then there's other people I was like, yeah, you tried to advise me on this years ago, but I already know what God confirmed with me. <laughs> and because he already confirmed it for me in the mouth of two or three witnesses, you were just way off. <laughs> so now time has proven that that was not the case. So this was what the Holy Spirit told me. So, again, um, not to go long-winded on that, but that's kind of how I feel on the subject. What about you, Cody? 
Yeah, um, kind of to go off with that or go along with that, it's interesting because, yeah, Josh was the same way. And <laughs> I'm the kind of person that likes to problem solve, right? So, like, whenever I see or hear a problem or can think of ideas and how I can help this person in the situation, I'm jumping on saying it. Um, I, I guess maybe that's what my family does and, like, some friends. Um, but I first learned that that's not the way to go. For my best friend, who's like Joshua and you, Josiah, like she hates advice given when not asked for. Like she hates it. She'll tell me every single time. And I had to learn, and I was still learning with Joshua um, to hold my tongue and just listen because that's what they that's what they actually wanted. Um, but I think um, for me, in terms of advice, like I do like when people give advice, um, even if I didn't ask for it, just because like a lot of times, like I didn't. I don't know. I just didn't think about it. I just like to problem solve. So any way you get to the, solve the problem, that's great. Whether it was from me or you, whatever, however it got theirs. But for me, it does matter who tells me it because I've learned now a lot. For me, it's like, if you're not a Christian, don't tell me advice. It almost It's almost at that point. I wouldn't say totally because there are some wise, smart people out here. Um, and it still goes to like, if they know more in that area, for sure. Um, and I can... I can obviously see it even, um, but if they're not a Christian, a lot of times they're giving me advice based off of um, what, I guess based off of unbiblical ways, you know, or ungodly ways, even in like a counselor or different areas like that. Um, and, or even, even if it's like just simple things like business or like money issues or finances, um, you can have, you can be wise in that area. But a lot of times if you're not following God's principles, God has those principles for a reason, I feel like. So if you're going the opposite way of his principles, I feel like it's going to fail, whether or not it's succeeding for you now or not. So I don't want to listen to what you have to say, regardless, if you're not using the Holy Spirit. And then the other avenue, kind of what you were saying, Josiah, if I heard something from the Holy Spirit and you're trying to give me advice on this, but you don't talk to the Holy Spirit yourself, I can't trust what you're saying because I can't trust that you know, because it's like, well, whatever you say, I can't, I have to ignore. But I do want advice from people who do not only listen to the Holy Spirit, but in that moment of advice are asking the Holy Spirit for wisdom. I hate it when it's like, because I learned the hard way because this is what I did. But when it's like, you're a Christian, yes, you listen to the Holy Spirit, but you're giving me advice without praying first or without even asking God in your head at all. So no, I can't trust you because I know you can be wrong. So I think the main thing for me is, yeah, if you have a Holy Spirit and you're and you're asking him things for on my behalf, then I can listen to advice from you, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think how you ended there is not opening yourself up to your own devices, always leaving room for the spirit to speak. That's that's extremely highly important. One more extreme example I recently thought of is um, I kind of treat advice like how you would treat asking someone to marry you, like. You wouldn't ask someone to marry you on a first date most of the time. I'm not saying it can't happen. So, like, on the first initiation of a friendship, I treat it like in the same way you wouldn't ask someone to marry you on a first date. I don't think you should be giving advice on the first initiation of a friendship. Um, however, as trust builds over time and each, like I said, each one's minds and hearts is actually understood, then I feel like it gives room for that. I feel like a friendship is stagnant or unnecessary if no advice is given either way. I think uh, if we're really about that lifestyle of iron sharpened iron friendships, if I'm gonna truly call you a friend, 
I should be able to receive advice from you and give advice to you. That that's just how the how I treat the depths of my friendships. I don't like to be surface level or like that. Anywho, my turn. I'm gonna see if I'm more lucky than Josh and Cody <laughs> uh, getting an actual fun question. Okay, this is somewhat middle territory. Complete the statement. I can hardly wait to. Dot dot dot. Shoot, that's I get out of debt. <laughs> we are on a debt journey right now. We're doing the Dave Ramsey baby steps, if you guys are familiar. And it is rough, y'all. It's hard. But, you know, when we get out of debt, I cannot wait because I just don't want to live like this anymore, really. But also, I want the freedom, um, really the freedom that comes with not having debt and being able to be generous and really not have to think about finances like as hard as we are right now um, because it's a struggle but yeah I can't wait to get out of debt really can't praise God in the name of Jesus it will happen (laughs) yes Um, yeah for me what first of course came to mind was I can't wait until I get a job like that I actually like that I want to be in that's full time that's steady income that helps us continue to get out of debt um, and helps me grow in what God's calling me to so Yes, I just can't wait. Jesus, make it happen. Amen. (laughs) I'll probably say just a ditto amplified version of both of your answers. Um, I just want to get out of debt with a job that I like, but matches all the talents that I already have or love. Um, So that's pretty much what I can hardly wait to experience as well. (laughs) Anyway, we are... We're drawing near the uh, half hour point, so um, let's get into the final like 10, 15 minutes here. Um, I think it's Cody's turn next, correct? Now that we got a pretty easy, fun question, we could take it back to the serious, go to the number two side. Okay, how do you feel when someone calls you names? How do you react? Calls me, oh. I'll just go first on this because I was going to say this is a teen situation. Well, is it fine if I go first? Okay. I was going to say this is a teen situation because that often happens in like high school, middle school. Um, And I'll tell you, I was called slow a lot and I hated that. Like I'm one of the, I was one of the smartest people in my class um, academically, but you know, it takes me a while to get things sometimes or I got, or I got too many thoughts in my head. I'm not actually listening to you a lot of times. So like things like that. Um, So I was called slow a lot um, and I hated that because you know, who wants to be called slow? Um, and not only that, I could see what they meant. Like, I could see what they were talking about. It wasn't out of left field. So it was easy to internalize, like, I mean, they're right. Like, I can't, I can't explain it. Um, and it took more deep thinking and to see that that wasn't true. And also going to college and having friends that didn't call me that and seeing more of my intelligence, but also seeing how I just be thinking too much and stuff like that, um, that helped. Um, I think... You know, I was also called like, I was called a lot of things, I guess. <laughs> I was called Oreo because I talked a certain way, things like that. Um, so that definitely internalized as a kid. I think now, um, depending on who's saying it, because I ha- I have more trust in people now where I can see that they're just joking, but I still get annoyed, I think, especially when it's something from my past or they're t- calling me it, because I think it's unnecessary. I don't think we need to call people anything that's not who they are. So that also irks me and just makes me annoyed, um, especially when it's coming from my sisters. I don't know why, but that really, I'm like, oh, anyway. So I guess I'm still getting annoyed by it. I got to do better. <laughs> Wait. 
Huh. This one's kind of, um, I just want to say, because I'm trying to recall like some of the worst names I was called back in school days. Um, but first of all, to piggyback on you being called slow, <laughs> the, the line that was coming to me, I'm not sure if you heard this. I think it's in, um, was it the run up the score song with Andy Mineo and Words Played? Words Played said, all my teachers wanted to say that boy too slow. So I came back and hit him with the bacon, egg, and cheese flow. <laughs> uh, that was pretty nice. But um, for me, so because of that, going back to when I was explaining about uh, what the definition of a supine impulsive is, back in my school days, because I couldn't put out there um, or put out myself to the point of gaining friends like that, that could fulfill those popularity needs, I ended up spending a lot of my snack and lunch breaks with, sadly, imaginary friends. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, at that time, I was addicted to the Spy Kids movie franchise. Oh, yeah. So what I would do is I would go to, um, in my South African school, there was, like, this long downhill section. And I would just stand at the top of the hill and sit on, like, uh, the fence. And I would just pretend like I'm talking to the Spy Kids <laughs> during all my breaks. And... Um, the funny thing is, prior to that, I think when I was seven, eight years old in my New Jersey school, I actually had other friends in my class that would pretend along with me. Wow. Back then, I would pretend to be like VeggieTales characters and other people in my class would do the same. Uh, it would only be like one or two at the time, but at least it kept me company so I wouldn't feel like totally alone. Um, but later on, it seemed like the bullies started to outnumber the friendships, especially when I got to the South African school. The worst stigma I had on my back in the South African school was their, um, and again, this is an overseas thing that it, they can only see what they can relate to television, right? So in their head, they didn't know 50 states existed in America. So they thought the entire America was only Hollywood. So because, because I wasn't related to any famous person, they kind of felt like, oh, you a fake, you a fraud. <laughs> like you just messed up like what my idea of an American person should be. So because you don't fit the bill, like you're not really worth my time. So that's how I got most people treated me in the, in the South African years. And then I would have like this one dude who used to be a ladies man. Um, I won't mention his name because we're at peace now. But um, he would actually come during my breaks, have like 20 girls around him and embarrass me in front of all of them. <laughs> that That really broke me to the point of like, um, almost getting suicidal for a, a period in my school years. But um, I'm not going to get too deep into that. That's just like the, the introduction thing of it. So it wasn't really like specifically names, I would say. It was more like um, not matching people's expectations. Yeah, I can't really relate it back to, oh, I was specifically called this name. No, it was more like I didn't meet this particular expectation. Anyway. Uh. Yeah, I was thinking about this question. Um, I guess though the the worst one there there wasn't too many. Um, like church boy was kind of common in elementary school, but I didn't really ever see that as a bad thing necessarily. Um, I was like, yeah, I go to church. I mean, I don't know. Um, but the one that was like the most impactful in a bad way was like the Oreo thing. Um, 
for those of you who don't know, it's like someone who is black, but they say they act white because they, they talk properly or whatever, like you're white on the inside, but black on the outside. Um, but um, so, and it got worse. Like I went to a pretty, mostly all black elementary school um, and like Burmese, it was mostly colored uh, person, persons of color and some Caucasian. But then as a, I went to middle school and high school, it was predominantly white. I was the only black kid in the class for some years um, during that span. And it came from both sides. It was what, like, when I, as the older I got, both the black kid, kids and the white kids were saying, like, oh, you act white. And that kind of, like, really shook me because I was like, oh, I don't know. It was like, it was bad all of a sudden to get good grades or to talk properly or I didn't really know who I was. Like, my identity was kind of shook. Um, and I even, like, I got into Morehouse for a scholarship. Morehouse is a, a historically black um, college in HBCU um, for all, all men. But I didn't go because I thought I'm not black enough, air quote, to go to Morehouse. So I ended up just denying, like, I didn't go. Um, and I went to Ball State, which is a predominantly white institution. <laughs> and I did not enjoy my time there, but um, I like my professors. I like my, my, some of the courses, but I had a bad social life. Anyway, that's a different story. But, you know, just, um, yeah, that was, that I, felt, I, I felt like it, it messed with my identity and not knowing who I was. Um, and that's why I'm just going to plug this in. So important to have identity in Jesus because yes. all that stuff doesn't matter then. Like, you know who you are when, you, when you're in Jesus. That's right. Okay, that'll be it. The bonus point I had on that is um, one of my mentors, the, the late great Dr. Miles Monroe, he said that whatever skin color you were born was directly tied to your purpose. If you were any other skin color, you wouldn't be able to complete your purpose. So um, that's why he always encouraged being um, not not proud in a negative way, but proud and humbled of the history and legacy that God brought you from and never being ashamed of the country you came from because the country you came from was t attached to your divine purpose. Um, so I think the only other unifying thing we have here is internalize Oreos because <laughs> I also got the Oreo stigma for my father being Trinidadian and my mother being Puerto Rican. But uh, so I guess you can call me the vanilla caramel Oreo. But, um, <laughs> but the thing with me was I would always be the opposite of everybody in the room, mood included. So like if everyone in the room is sad, I'm the only one happy to this day. Or like if everyone in the room is happy, I'm the only one sad. <laughs> uh, if I'm around my darker skin friends, I'm going, whoa, we're halfway there. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm around my lighter friends, I gotta shake it off. Like, <laughs> like I was always the opposite music of the crowd I was in too. So um, I definitely feel both of y'all on that one too. Anyhow, who wants to do the honor of the final question before we get into closing thoughts? <laughs> okay, this is this is supposed to be fun, and I think it can be. <laughs> Share three things you think you need in order to be happy. My goodness. Yeah, three things you think you need in order to be happy. Who wants to start? This one might take some time to think, because you got to think of three I things. Okay. <laughs> Now, this may not be the same for everybody. It's just based on my current phase in life. Obviously, number one of all, Jesus above all. That's the, yeah. the default answer. Um, I would also say good communication 
um, and union with my wife and daughter. Um, the third thing is pretty much what I've been saying the entire show. The ability to make a sustainable future doing something I love for also them. Uh, because God stresses uh, a lot of importance in the Bible on creating a legacy like a foolish man does not prepare, is, is ill-prepared um, for his great-grandchildren's, you know, legacy and stuff like and again going back to one of my mentors miles Moreau, an amazing thing he did was he actually purchased homes for his great-grandchildren and even if they never get to that point even though he's still not physically here he knows he's secured by wise instruction of the bible their future that if they're ever in trouble at least they have a home um, and I'm not saying we're, um, or maybe I am saying we're selfish as Americans to think only about our current now situation, but we're never thinking about our descendants. Um, and unfortunately, the Bible actually has a lot of criticism that it's actually kind of foolish not to think about your future legacies or your descendants. I am terrible at this, so I'm not, I'm not the person to go to on advice for this. Uh, I just hope that whatever happens in my life, something will be done to secure my wife and daughter's future and also the, the lives of my children and great-grandchildren. Because I don't want to become one of those messed up stories where I had this awesome testimony, but my great-grandchildren are heathens. Like, <laughs> you, you want that legacy to carry on. One prop I can give to my wife is that she comes from three generations going of Christians in one of the most persecuted nations of all time, Pakistan. Um, her grandfather founded over 250 churches in Pakistan. And everyone after the great-grandfather uh, has all been Christians. That's all the way down to the great-great-grandchildren. So that's something that is extremely rare in today's world. And I pray that it you know, continues in the lives of those in the body of Christ who have the privilege of experiencing that. Anyway, who's next? I'm there. Yeah. I just saw your report. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess we're really going to share two things because I think we're all going to say Jesus in this. <laughs> we got to have Jesus to be happy. Come on now. Um, and the second thing I think I'm realizing, and this may, this is not in order besides Jesus being number one. The next two. Okay. Um, Work-life balance. I spent a period of time working way like overworking basically um and i thought it was fine but i was single and i didn't have any other responsibilities um and now that i'm married i see how it impacts myself like my own mood i'm always tired i'm even now doing something i don't enjoy um tired coming home not wanting to spend time with anybody just go to sleep and how it affects um <laughs> cody so a good work-life balance i think for me is going to be very important moving forward um, and I would say the third thing, um, I didn't think about this, but Josiah, I do agree with you. I think a good, just a healthy, godly relationship with my wife and future kids, prayerfully one day. Um, I think those three things, um, yeah, are the basis for a good, ha a happy life for me. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad those are your goals. <laughs> um, yeah, and I would say um, kind of, through, I don't know if they're emotions or 
three main goals, I guess, that I always pray to God to ask for and, and want is like peace, joy, and love. Um, cause I know with peace, I won't have stress or worry or fears or anything like that. And I think with peace, it comes from trusting in God, having that relationship, seeking him and having that faith, um, and really honing in. And I'm still working. Like I have that, but it can be deeper cause then I would have peace if it, if it was deeper. So that's something that I continue to ask for and pray for and try to get to. Um, and then with joy, I feel like that comes with the health relationships around you in the community. But also for me, doing what I feel called to do, what I believe I'm called to do and how I'm called to do it. I feel whatever got, whatever season that is, I could be different throughout my lifetime, but like really wanting to enjoy, you know, what God's calling me to and really enjoy that part um, and finding happiness in that. And then I feel like with the love, again, it's the community. Again, it's the having the happy, happy like the family and being there with my family for my kids, um, future kids, if we don't have any yet. But, um, and still with the work-life balance, but like not being consumed with myself or work and being able to be there for them as well. So it's kind of like, I just kind of put it in the peace, joy, love for me. That's just how I see it, but yeah. So in closing, my closing thoughts question is going to be what I think is going to be the goal of every Ranwise podcast moving forward, which is, did you give wisdom, did you receive wisdom, and did you have fun? Well, I did receive wisdom, I feel like. I feel like I learned a lot um, in this and just thinking about it. And I did have fun. I like these questions, and I like to talk about random stuff. Um, so that's good for me. The giving wisdom, I don't know. I was just giving my thoughts. <laughs> I didn't. To be honest, I didn't think about that when we started and then I started hearing Josiah's answers and I was like, Oh wait, maybe I should be giving some, I was just thinking what came to my head. So, um, you guys could tell me that one, but, uh, yeah, I was kind of in the same boat. I was like, yeah, I feel like I learned a lot. What did, what did I give? I mean, I think, yeah, it could be taken as wisdom anytime you bring in the Bible or scripture. So in that case, yeah, I think uh, we all gave wisdom today. Um, I do think I received wisdom. I liked both of your answers. Some I didn't think about. I was like, oh, that's great. Um, and yeah, I had fun. It was good, relaxed, a good conversation. I liked the questions. Um, I don't like thinking of asking questions. I'm really bad at small talk. So this was great for me. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe we we got the wisdom because we know all three of us are connected to the Holy Spirit. But I think a more um, appropriate uh, way to rephrase it maybe for future guests would be, did you give perspective, did you receive perspective, and did you have fun? Um, for me, yeah, I had a ton of fun. You guys are always awesome to talk to. Um, I feel like, though, based on my personality, like I depend on the cheat sheet too much. <laughs> but um, I really do appreciate you guys making it all this way once again. And um, I'm wishing you guys a, an amazing uh, future for the remainder of this year. I know you guys are getting a lot of stuff sorted out still. Um, I, sometimes I think a lot of us forget how short your time has been here so far like sometimes it feels like you just moved from indiana like a long time ago but still pretty recent um so you guys are holding up well i'll just i'll give you all that um you're not fully there yet but you're getting towards uh what god brought you here for um so here's to the future and uh i'm gonna remember this for the rest of my life and uh thank you guys for listening uh i hope y'all had the same i hope y'all were able to gain perspective from the show had fun listening to us thanks for taking the time out and we will see you guys next time god bless mm -hmm.